Welcome to the next edition of Business Law Focus. Great having you with us. Absolute pleasure to welcome Charles DeVet and, and Tebaleng Sekabaite from ENS, tax executives from ENS to the show today. And of course, we're talking ahead of the upcoming national budget on 21 February. A lot of, uh, a lot of attention being placed on that expenditure, but also how we're going to improve collection at the same time. Cutting expenditure, improving collection, big issues, a lot of questions over you know, state-owned entities and funding around that. But also, what does it mean for us on the ground? The economy is struggling. Where are we going to go next? How are they going to uh, collect more taxes in light of the struggles in the economy? So if we could just start, guys, uh, thanks for joining us, firstly. But if we could just start with the good, bad, and ugly uh, from this budget, I would assume there's going to be some ugly, but also a little bit of uh, maybe positive news. Is that is that fair? It's really going to be a challenging uh, budget this year. I think that things have declined, got worse since the medium-term policy statement in uh, in November. Plus, uh, the I mean, there, there's an election coming up uh, this year as well that I think complicates the, the the minister's job even more. So, you know, navigating between the the, the growing debt and the and, and the tax revenue that we you know still see is behind the the collections of last year and the pressure from 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 the social side of things it will will continue to to make it uh, complicated so i mean i, I we, we also saw in the um, uh, in in november that the minister spoke about a uh, a, a a tax increase he said that he was going to need at least uh, you know, 15 billion uh, rand that he would have to increase taxes taxes by. Now, luckily, the 15 billion is you know not that big a number in the in the bigger uh, scheme of things. Uh, so I, I think that you know what what we're going to see is a um, I mean sort of additional taxes collected as far as that's concerned. It's I mean a very unlikely to uh, to be a VAT uh, increase, uh, and I mean. Uh, in all likelihood, there will be a fiscal drag adjustment, which is sort of the adjustment of the of the tax tables uh, to to take account of of inflation. But you know, even because inflation was a was high last year, I don't think that full effect will uh, will come through, and that's likely the place where he'll recoup the the additional uh, fifteen uh, uh, billion uh, around in uh, in taxes. I mean, what, what what is good is you know, I mean, we we always want budgets to be stable as far as that's concerned for the you know policy direction to. Uh, I mean, you know, sort of stay the course uh, so that there are no major surprises. So I think the good part is that, you know, we will continue to see the the fact that it will be stable, that there won't be uh, significant uh, uh, changes. I mean, the bad will be that, you know, the, the, the additional tax that will be collected mm. in the uh, it, 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 in the circumstances, and it'll become ugly very quickly if he makes, uh, you know, dramatic statements that will uh, upset the rand or shake the economy. Now, uh, some of the headlines, of course, are SARS going quite quite hard um, on on non-compliance. Some big businesses in the glare, uh, some court action around that, where the businesses are, are fighting back against the um, you know the tax amounts being claimed. Um, and and some wealthy business people also. I mean, do you see that trend continuing where they'll actually target compliance failures? Uh, it's probably quite a good way to improve collections if you can get that right. Um, yes, Evan. So, SARS is on this drive to, to increase tax compliance. And the perception seems to be that there's a big tax gap in that there are some taxpayers out there in the shadows 
who are not paying the amount of tax that they should be paying. Um, so we've seen a huge increase in verifications and audits of, of um, different taxpayers. But I don't know if it can be said exactly that SARS is zoning in on big business mm-hmm. and wealthy business people. I think that's just a function of the fact that, you know, these are the categories of taxpayers who have the resources to do tax planning yeah. um, and maybe some tax avoidance or tax evasion in extreme cases. Um, so they are the, the taxpayers with the greatest incentive to to engage in that kind of behavior. Um, and also, I think SARS has also been focusing a lot on the illicit trade. We've seen Lots of public statements from them about, you know, what they're doing about the illicit tobacco trade and the coal syndicates and also, in, in you know, the diesel and, and the people putting in paraffin and all sorts of things in the diesel. And they are, you know, more focused on kind of collecting taxes from, from those illicit trades and making sure that the leakage from that um, is plugged. Of course. Uh, Revy- yes, go for it, Charles. Sorry, there are two I mean, sort of additional points that come out of that that, you know, sort of may be relevant as well. You know, if you look at the, the numbers that National Treasury puts uh, together, you know, they, they, they do uh, include sort of an amount of for, for SARS efficiency in the, uh, in the circumstances, so, you know, as opposed to, to, a, you know, to, to raising additional taxes, uh, they, they expect SARS to become better at their job. Uh, and, you know, as a result of that, that that will generate more tax revenue that obviously, you know, g- gives them the ability to, to spend that as well. So, you know, we are seeing, uh, I mean, you know, so, some of that and, you know, we'll talk about, uh, the, you know, the additional technology that, that, that they, uh, that they've got. So I think that, uh, the, you know, we, we, we can expect a high incidence. We're not seeing anybody particularly being targeted as far as, uh, as far as that's concerned. And in the court, there's also been sort of an, you know, an interesting development as far as this, that's concerned. And that is the, the jurisdiction point and, you know, whether, whether you can, you can pick up the, uh, I mean, you know, whether you have to go to the tax court or whether you can go to the, uh, to the high court. So there's been quite a lot of, uh, you know, development as far as, uh, uh, that's concerned with SARS pushing back very hard in terms of, you know, Pay, pay us the money and go through the tax court if you have a dispute with us. Absolutely, Charles. And I think what we're seeing is SARS is not shy to litigate. So they they are very keen and eager to go after taxpayers in the courts um, as well. Um, so And their, their, their record is quite positive, actually, um, looking at the judgments that are coming out of the various courts. So, yeah, they're definitely on a drive there. Do you, do you think in, in your experience businesses are struggling a bit with, with all the red tape and the compliance um, and, you know, what are the trends to watch when it comes to tightening compliance even further? Not in my experience, even. I think tax compliance, especially for corporates, is relatively simple. Mm. So the processes that are in place for for the easy day-to-day stuff like filing and payment obligations are quite simple and easy to understand. Um, I think... What we need to watch for going forward is increased audits and verifications from SARS where they kind of um, look at what the taxpayers are submitting and want verification and more information to see what exactly is going on in the taxpayers' effects. So if SARS yes. has always had this uh, risk engine that they use, you know, so when your when your return goes in, they, I mean, there's a, there's a risk engine and it assesses uh, you know, so, sort of whether they whether the engine thinks that the uh, 
uh, whether it's reasonable. No, we don't really know exactly what it does, but you know, it does a comparison. It looks at trends. It looks at the the previous return that is uh, that that has been uh, submitted. And I think that you know what what we have seen and will will continue to to see. There always used to sort of be a standard verification letter that was issued. You know, just you know, all, almost a generic letter in the uh, in the circumstances. I mean, we're seeing that becoming a little bit. Uh, more sophisticated, and then it also, you know, leading to an audit much previous, you know, sort of faster than it uh, than it did uh, uh, previously. Uh, you know, so I think that you know th- those are going to be what we, you know, going to uh, going to see. So I think the red tape becomes in, you know, once you're engaged with SARS and and responding to to the questions. The other interesting development in in that space, and you know, I think we're going to see this change over time as well. Is you know from a from a value-added tax perspective, they they have said that you know if you don't respond to the, the verification letter, we're going to start using estimates, uh, you know, but much earlier on in the uh, in, in, in the process, and you know we, we're going to have to say see how that uh, change plays plays out in the VAT space, and also whether that is then expanded to other taxes as well. Now we've mentioned the good, bad, and ugly. I would assume the finance minister saying no scope for corporate tax increases is one of the good aspects we can expect, but um, but that is going to limit uh, the ability to raise revenue. Uh, where else can we expect them to look? Well, if you look at the collection trends for for twenty twenty three, the most tax was actually collected from personal income taxes, and then that, and then only corporate tax was the third largest contributor to the pot. And um, in December, SARS and National Treasury released statistics, and they said, you know, looking at corporate income taxpayers, only about 27%, um, 20% of corporates that were actually assessed declared a positive taxable income. So this shows us that corporates aren't as profitable in this current economy. So I'm not sure what it would actually um, achieve to increase corporate tax rates at this point. Also, the tax rate was actually reduced from 28% to 27% recently, and they also made some um, adjustments to the loss limitation provisions, and that was meant to address fluctuations in tax payable by by corporates year on year. So I think trying to increase the corporate tax rate at this point would be counterproductive. The other point about that is that you know sort of the global trend is downwards from a yeah. from a corporate tax uh, perspective, and I mean you know our, our investment environment is currently not very friendly in any case. So you know there there, there is pressure, and there was almost a commitment made where they reduced it from twenty eight to to twenty seven percent to continue to uh, uh, to uh, reduce that. I mean the difficulty is there's there, there's little scope from a uh, from a cost uh, perspective, you know, to uh, to do that. So, you know, if they bring it down to twenty or twenty-one percent to be globally competitive, you know, that I mean, even though it, it it it's a small part of the tax base, it does add up to to a number of of, of billions in the uh, in the circumstances. So I think it's very unlikely that uh, there will be any change there. I think they could probably get away with 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 no change. I mean, you know, the other things that are always on the list in terms of you know t- sort of increases. I think we've become. Uh, used to this, I mean, excise taxes will will increase last year by the core inflation rate. So you know that that likely as well. I mean, the the fuel levy is often being used sort of as a as a budget balancing tool that's become more difficult um, as the um, sort of a, as as the oil prices got 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 high in the uh, uh, in the circumstances. And you know the 
the one also needs to think about uh, about VAT and you know whether that should increase because our our rate at fifteen percent is reasonably low you know in African terms and in international uh, terms. I mean, I can't see that happening this year. I mean, I do believe that the VAT rate does need to increase over over time. An additional one percent uh, of a VAT sort of you know get, gets you to somewhere between 23 and 24 uh, billion rand but it you know it also goes with the sort of i mean the the push to have more zero ratings you know especially with our unemployment level and economic position that we that we're sitting in at the uh, at the moment so i mean i you know in, in an election yeah i can't see the vat rate uh, increasing as well but i think that's kind of what the package would look like when we look at the ugly, of course, parastatals, load shedding jumps out, right? Um, can we expect much there? I mean, what you could uh, look at, for instance, bailouts that people are speaking about, what extent of bailouts in light of the, the challenges. Um, but we need these ports to work, for instance, at Transnet. And then on the ESCOM side, we obviously need to see incentives to grow alternative energy. Uh, do you expect quite a bit uh, on that front? There was quite significant changes last year, you know, as, as I mean, to, to encourage alternative energy uh, sources, uh, and you know, I mean, both for companies and and individuals and everything. Maybe you, you know, you, you just want to summarise what the what those major changes were and how significant they were. Yes, sure. So, um, new incentives were introduced um, to give allowances to corporates and individual taxpayers so they could do their own private investment into renewable energy. Um, so. A nice, a very good uh, allowance was introduced for corporates, which is they can deduct up to 125% of the cost of the renewable energy assets. And individual payers, taxpayers only got 25% allowance, which is limited to 15,000. So although it's not a lot for individuals, it still is something of a sweetener um, that they actually um, go into um, getting their own renewable energy sources. Now, the issue with this allowance is it has a very short time period. So the the one for the corporates actually expires in 2025. And for individuals, it comes to an end already um, next month, actually, yep. um, in, um, on the 28th. So if you haven't already got your solar panels or planning to get your solar panels, um, you probably kind of missed that bus already. Um, so I don't know how effective it will be in encouraging this private investment. I mean, these things are very costly, yeah. um, but I suppose it remains to be seen, especially on the corporate side where they undertake the very large projects in in, in next in 2025 when the um, allowance lapses to see how much investment actually went into the renewable energy space. Well, certainly listening to you, and thanks very much for that breakdown. Absolutely fabulous. I know last year as well, we spoke to ENS just ahead of the budget and you gave some wonderful insights and, uh, you know, obviously what we could expect. And so I think once again, thanks for that breakdown. Really been fabulous. Just listening to you, I think it's going to be a serious balancing act. I mean, there's going to be a big challenge here to balance um, the needs, requirements and the growth um, that SA so desperately needs. But uh, thanks for laying it all out for us so succinctly. Thanks very much for being on the show. Thank you, Evan.